Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to another episode of Perspectives on Healthcare. My guest today is Anne McCauley LeDuc. She is a nurse practitioner. She has worked in long-term care as well as short-term rehab. She is from up in Connecticut and I believe is a member of the baby boomer generation. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rob. Thank you for having me. And that's great, the baby boomers, yes. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I think is important to note for the show, because I feel like baby boomers look at things differently than Generation X, look at things differently than millennials and differently than Generation Z. So I'm not asking how old anybody is. We'll just we'll just generally put people into age groups in that way. So anyway, listen, let's start off this way. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Well, I am a little older, as you well know. I've been retired for about six years. And uh, let's see, I was 51 when I went back to get my nurse practitioner degree. I'd been a registered nurse, obviously, before that, because you have to be a registered nurse to become a nurse practitioner. And I was tired of doing the same thing. I'd done everything. And I said, oh, time to up the game. So I went to school and it was difficult as an older student, but um, I loved being a nurse practitioner. I worked in long-term care in the nursing homes and also the short-term rehab in the nursing homes, two different populations, very different and a lot of fun. And then I got to the point where it was time to retire. So now I'm an author and I speak and, um, I relax. Sure. So t- talk to me a little bit about this. I, listen, I'm a person with a disability, so I'm I'm a little bit sensitive about nursing homes because a lot of times people with disabilities end up in nursing homes and they don't they're not able to to get back into the community. Can you talk about a, a little bit about that the rehab process to make sure that people get in, they get better and that they move on rather than being, you know, being left in a facility longer than is necessary. Yes, it's challenging. There's a lot of steps to go through, but it is so worth it. I know I had a patient that was in our facility, you know, after going through regular rehab, came to us in the nursing home and he did get an apartment with help. So he has done very well in that. And um, he was a quad sure. and yep, could, didn't have too much movement at all. And it's, it, it's a place for them, but there needs to be help available, reliable help, 24 hour care and uh, communication. And it's worth it. Not everybody can, not everybody chooses to right. because it's a challenge. Yeah. Understood I, completely. Listen, um, full disclosure, I'm a quad. So 
I live independently, live in the community. Um, and I'll, sorry, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot and I don't want to get us sidetracked. I don't, you know, I'm a C5, six quad. As far as 24 seven care, I need care in the morning to get, to help get up, to get, you know, my breakfast, that kind of thing. I need help midday to get a lunch. I need help in the evening to get my dinner and, and to go to bed. Uh, but, um, I don't necessarily have to have someone 24 seven, which mm -hmm. I, sometimes that's, it's an argument that's given as to why people end up staying in a nursing facility is because they need the 24 seven care. And sometimes I just, it's a little quibble on my part, but we won't get stuck there. So, um, no, no, but let me say that, um, the one I knew had a, he was on a respirator. Okay. He had a trach. So there was 24 hour care. Got it. And you're right. I do know someone else who got out and doesn't needs a lot of care like you sporadically at different crucial times and has to have the availability to call for help. Yeah. So there's all kinds of levels, but from everything it's possible if you work the right steps and are determined and good for you. I congratulate you. Oh, thank you very much. It's, yeah. um, I've got a wonderful support system. I'm surrounded by fantastic people. So uh, yeah. let's, let's do this. Uh, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Well, I think person, it, I think everybody should have some kind of healthcare available to them. I believe in people's choice so that hopefully in the future we can get something that is more a la carte so that a young, healthy male can have certain parts of healthcare that he needs. And that would be very different than um, a, a young woman who wants to have a family sure. and is gonna go through pregnancies. And uh, when you get older, you need different kinds of help. And I think having some options would be good. I don't believe in socialized medicine per se, it's all the same for everybody. And, uh, but I think we need to move in that direction that people can have some kind of help. The other thing for quality is um, affordable med medications. I know when President Trump was in uh, starting in January of 2021, he had made a deal with the pharmaceutical companies that Americans would pay the lower price of drugs that they sell the drugs to to other countries. That kind of fell by the wayside when President Biden took over, and I would like to see that come back so that we aren't paying. Why are we paying in America more when the companies are here? And I think that should be investigated so that we, people can afford afford their meds. Um, a tube of a uh, little salve that my husband needs now, he just had a major burn, um, was $300 out of our pocket. Mm -hmm. And I said, whoa, you know, that's outrageous. So something to do with medication payment for everybody. I know they're working on something for Medicare to lower the cost, but if you're not on Medicare, you, you need help. So sure. that, that I would like to see. And um, I think you need to do treatment of conditions and illnesses, but you also need preventive care. And time has prevented the preventive care aspect from being a major part. And I think it would be good to get back to that. It, then if you prevent illness, 
you're better off and then you won't need the acute medicine. You yep. still get sick, but I think that that's for me, that's those points are quality, quality yep. care, so healthcare. Yeah. And again, not to make this all about me, but I understand exactly where you're coming from because I acquired my disability when I was 21. So a, a typical 21-year-old male is not going to need a ton of medical coverage from health insurance. But um, you know, there is a need to, be, to have the coverage to make sure that if something... I don't view what yeah. happened to me as catastrophic, but I think that that's the term that would be likely used when something catastrophic happens. There is the, the re, you know, there's the resources there to, to take care of that. And um, I, I think what you're talking about, um, especially with Medicare, a lot of the companies that are out there draw their reimbursement schedule based on what Medicare reimburses. And so when, if, if the advocacy can be done to, address what's going on for people who receive Medicare, it may be something that has an impact on, um, you know, on reimbursement rates across the board when it comes to prescription drugs. So something interesting to think about there. Yeah. I, I also think that when they make policy for these, for healthcare, they need to bring in doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, the ones that deal with the patients, pharmacists, um, and policymakers and insurance people. It needs to be more of a team team effect to come up with the right kind of steps that people can get for healthcare. Yeah. We, we need a revamp, that's for sure. Sure, and I agree with that. And um, from my personal perspective, I feel like patients need to be involved in the mix as well um, to talk about their own needs and make sure that um, they're not lost in the process. But um, yes. that's... It's again, I've got a lot of personal baggage here, so it's, it's all good. Uh, can you give me an example of quality healthcare, please? One, one comes to mind, say if you're a diabetic, um, you should have access to for the, for the best care, access to the monitor system that, so that you don't have to prick your fingers. If you choose, you may choose to have your fingers pricked because you're used to it and you don't care and it doesn't hurt. I had my finger pricked once and it hurt like heck. So I think that having the right equipment available for anyone who wants it, again, choice for, for each person, they need to have regular office visits for follow-up and they need to have a dietitian available, mm. not all the time, but someone to help with the right diet and also some kind of you need exercise there's different aspects to preventive health that i think should be automatic and and kind of built into the path that someone can go along and whether that's one dietitian to serve a, a lot several groups of doctor offices or whatever it is kind of a revamp of the system get people what they need keep them healthy and help them get their treatments that they need that that would be and the meds of course for diabetics when the one we're talking about would uh would be reasonably paid it. it may not all be paid but something manageable so that they can have their meds and eat also sure to me it sounds like we need a bit of a culture shift okay in which mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, many times we have people who are looking for a pill 
to solve all of their problems when it could be that there is lifestyle or diet change that could contribute to making the, the changes to, to their own health. So if a, a diabetic, for example, were to do a little bit more exercise and to, to change the way that they eat, to have that dietitian helping to guide them and to do it in a way that is economically feasible because sometimes eating healthy is a little bit more costly, uh, but just changing, changing the cultural expectations of having a pill to fix everything versus actually having to make changes in your own lifestyle. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's exactly right. And it could be for the cardiac patient, the patient with respiratory problems. Everybody has a different path to go and there should be help for that patient to try to get better, stay better and get motivated. That's the hard thing too, but it can be done if we revamp everything. Those are big dreams. <laughs> yeah, no, understood, understood completely. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? As a nurse practitioner, um, some people think that we're, we're nurses, which we are, mm -hmm. but they don't realize that they, we, we start, we have to be a registered nurse with a bachelor's degree to go into nurse practitioner school. And then you go two or three years more uh, to get the knowledge to diagnose and treat patients. So, and then you have to, you do clinical, you know, you're, you, I did clinical in a primary care office. Um, and then you take medical boards. So I am board certified in adult medicine. Mm -hmm. Nurse practitioners have one, have a track that they do. I can't do pediatrics. I am certified for adult medicine. Okay. If you want pediatrics, you go to a school for pediatrics. Um, GYN, OBGYN, you know, that's maternity. That's a different path. Psych is a different path. Sometimes we can interplay. I can order psych meds, but psych uh, nurse practitioners can't do general med. So there's a little bit of a crossover, but basically we're in our path and it depends on the states. Right. Um, each state has a different um, role for nurse practitioners. In Connecticut, we collaborate for a year, at least we okay. used to with a doctor. And right. now then, then you can be independent. Some states, they are not independent. They have to be under the care of it, uh, or the um, wings of a doctor. Okay. So it kind of depends state to state. Right. I, and I think what's really important to highlight in there is that you do have um, prescription writing abilities as a, as a nurse practitioner. And so many times I feel like there are people who say like, well, you're just a nurse, but what you're doing as a nurse practitioner is so much it's, it's nursing in nature. It has the, I've heard someone describe it as it has the compassionate um, side of nursing, but it also has the powerful, um, you know, the prescription writing power of, you know, what physicians have does that how does that resonate with you yeah yeah we um it, we 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 are nurses and we see the patient through the eyes of a nurse so we see the patient holistically uh and that's the nursing model that we're trained under doctors are trained under a medical model that looks at the symptoms the illness and the treatment for the illness so it's not to say that some doctors don't see the whole patient or that some nurse practitioners don't just look at the, the symptoms and the disease and treat and that's it. But 
just the models are very different what we train under. So once a nurse, always a nurse. <laughs> sure. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. What excites you about the future of healthcare? Well, the technology is amazing. I mean, just the fact that that the say the diabetics go back to the diabetics having the little um, instruments that they can use to get their blood sugars automatically recorded. They can see what they are. They can go to the doctor's office. That's huge. Um, the artificial limbs that have come out, uh, the equipment you know that they've developed to help people. It's just the, um, it's just amazing. The science, it's endless. And it's, uh, and we'll keep growing in that. But we still have the patients <laughs> that have the equipment and that's where our role comes in. Yeah. Does that, it, yeah. Does that uh, make sense? No, I think it does. And ultimately at the end of the day, what is central to healthcare is, is the patient, right? Yes. W without patients, there's no need for healthcare. And if the patients aren't, being cared for and aren't you know aren't feeling valued by the system then the system is not serving the people that it ultimately was designed to serve does that make sense to you at all it's all about the patients <laughs> yeah it's all about the patients we're doing our job for the patients yeah. and you know at some point we are patients so <laughs> and we've been on the other side so but it is about the patients and health yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, when I'm, when I'm doing my keynote presentations, that is, I'm bringing the patient's perspective on quality healthcare. And at the same time, you know, having started this podcast, I'm able to bring a whole new realm of understanding about quality healthcare and the future of healthcare based on what the practitioners are sharing with me. So it, it's been so informative and helpful. And I appreciate you being a part of that process. Um, last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? One thing, um, well, I would encourage the patient to advocate for themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. And that means know your diagnoses, um, keep a written record of your diagnoses, everything about you medically, that's that's important. When you go to the doctor, have your questions written down and write down the answers and ask questions and advocate for yourself because you are the patient and uh, we wouldn't leave our bank statements to the bank. You don't wanna leave your health to the system. People make mistakes, computers you know, aren't always up to date. So you advocate for yourself and um, that would be my biggest tip, but we have to give them permission. Sometimes mm. patients don't want to ask questions. They feel, oh, I can't say that to the doctor or ask questions. Yes, you can. And I'm here to tell you, you can, and you should. And it's the way you do it, not what you say, it's how you say it. And it's okay. And that's what the future has to be. You have to stand up and be the patient and we're glad. Yeah. So, um, there's two sides to that. The one is encouraging medical professionals to empower patients to be self-advocates. And the other is encouraging patients to, to just do that, to be, to be as informed about their diagnosis as possible. And uh, as well to be, to be vocal about their own personal goals, because sometimes a, a medical professional can only help you 
get to where you need to be if they know what you're doing and where you're going. And, and so, you know, it, for me, it's not just, it, I need to be able to be independent, to be able to travel, to be able to get out and speak, to do all of those things. So what I'm looking for when I'm at the doctor might be a little bit different than someone who, you know, is staying home and is, is not involved in the active lifestyle that I have. It, it all depends. So let, letting the medical professional know where you are and what your goals are is also going to be part of that process. Listen, I'm, Anne, thank you so much for being with me. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking your time and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.